This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 10. Luke 21, verse 10. I want to talk about the great pandemic today. Then Jesus continued by saying to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you delivering you to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts to your word. Teach us from it. Allow us to hear you in it. And that each heart would respond to the voice of your spirit. Father, I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said plagues and famines would arise, and and we saw what was going on in those two countries that Harold spoke of, that um, famine caused by a plague or by the administration of the plague. Um, But I want to talk this morning about a great pandemic. I want to talk about a pandemic that has arrived, that is here, that's under the radar. Uh, It could even be called a silent killer. It's similar to the little pandemic, and I'm going to mention compared to, when we talk of COVID, I'm going to call it the little pandemic because it is nothing compared to what I hope your eyes will be open to today Because similar to the little pandemic, this one also is manufactured by men. Um, It's a manufactured virus. And it's incredible when you contrast the numbers. Um, The big pandemic, 385,000 new cases each day. And it's it's showing no signs of abating. Um... 150,000 deaths a day. At the height, the little pandemic, at the height, and it didn't continue for long, 15,000 deaths a day. Today, there's just over 7.5 billion active cases worldwide. And though with the little pandemic, the survival rate was some 99%, this is 100% fatal. And though... The target of the little pandemic was mostly people over 60, though there were some others that were affected gravely, mortally. Um, This is 
this affects all people of all ages. Babies, those who are healthy, sick and infirm and old, all people, this is affected. This is affecting and has affected. This great pandemic is sin. It produces death. And as we see it, when we look at the cause of the great pandemic, you, if you look at Romans chapter 5, and what you see in Romans chapter 5, Paul says in, in, in verse 12 of Romans 5, he says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We, we, we see here the spread. This was a super spreader event. Death spread to all men because of this. Paul says it came through Adam. It was man-made. And then also, not only does it bring death, but sin. Paul says in, in verse 18 of the same chapter, so then as through one transgression, through one sin, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. There's condemnation that has come because of this. It's the seriousness of it, the seriousness of the commandments that we don't keep. And the viral load for this, what, is it, what does it take to infect anyone? James says, if you keep the whole law and offend in one point, you have become guilty of all. The viral load is one. Sin brings condemnation. That's what we see. That's what we understand from the Scripture concerning this great pandemic condemnation, because we don't keep the law. And in our own minds and in our own hearts, we like to think we do. At least we keep it better than somebody else. We can always find someone that we keep the law better than, we think. And yet Jesus blew that apart. You know, the Pharisees, the most religious people of Jesus' day, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Every, everybody's jaw must have dropped at that statement because they were thinking if anybody was going to get to heaven, it was going to be the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes. They, held, they upheld the law and tried to keep it, they put walls around the law to keep from breaking the law. They thought if they put fences around it, okay, if we're not allowed to do this, then let's not do this either, so we won't then do this. It didn't work. Jesus told them. He, he, he said, you don't even keep it in your heart. He said, if you, it, it's written you shall not commit adultery, but if you have lust in your heart towards someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. God's going to judge you by your heart. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. If not every single word that comes out of our mouths is true, virtuous, 
and praiseworthy. And so we break this law. And what, is, what does it mean? Condemnation for everyone. That's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Or as Paul says it in, in chapter 7, in verses 9 through 11, I once was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. I think that's speaking of, uh, of him coming to a, a, a time in his life where he was accountable before the law. I don't think a, a baby is accountable before the law. What does he say? This commandment, which was to result in life. If you could keep all the commandments, it would result in life. He says this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and it killed me. Spiritually, we became dead, separated from God. That's the force of the law because of sin. And if you are spiritually dead and you don't get that taken care of, when you stand before God, you will be condemned for all eternity. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the author of Hebrews says, it's appointed unto man once to die and then comes the judgment. And so, we see this, the cause of this great pandemic is sin. And yet, what else do we see? The casualness over the pandemic. You know what, this past year, you, you saw people who, who didn't care at all. You maybe have seen news reports, somebody going into a grocery store and coughing on all the produce. Did you hear that one? How foolish is that? Somebody else licking food. I mean, that's just crazy. But there were others who in the same way were casual over that pandemic. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Casual. And yet, there are many who are casual over this pandemic of sin. The Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 1 talks about these people who are casual over sin. Though they know the ordinance of God, though they know the commandment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. We know it in our heart, don't we? We know it in our heart that sin produces death, that sin brings condemnation. And yet, what does he say? Although they know the ordinance that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. And so they're casual about sin, as if it doesn't matter at all. I can sin in whatever way I want, and it won't affect me. It won't destroy me. It won't kill me. And Paul in, in that chapter, in Romans chapter 1, talks about the descent into depravity as people 
ignore God and follow their hearts, they go deeper and deeper into depravity. They're maybe not concerned about others, but maybe you're not concerned about your own self, your own impending death. You know, I can remember one of my grandfather's friends. He would always talk, as he would sit there with my grandfather outside on the porch, he would talk about these coffin nails that he was lighting up. We're just putting another nail into my coffin. As if my impending death, your impending death, is not something to be taken seriously. Or it's like the diabetic who says, well, I'll just eat whatever I, way I want. Or the addict says, these, these drugs aren't going to be my demise. Or maybe they even say, well, I know they'll kill me someday, but that's okay. I'm going to keep doing it. I know it's going to kill me. There's a casualness about your death and your sin is like that. Where you say, ah, it's not that bad. It's not like, I'm not sinning like them. I'm not as bad as that person. Well, certainly my sins aren't like this group. No. Or maybe you're not concerned with other people dying. Maybe you have been born again by the Spirit of God. And you're not concerned about other people dying and going to hell. You're not concerned about other people being condemned. You're only concerned about your own comfort. Like Demas. Paul spoke of Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, Demas has loved this present world. He deserted me having left this present world, having gone to another city. And what was the issue? I don't think the issue was that Demas stopped being a Christian or that he lost his salvation or anything like that. It was that he was going, and if you see the list of the other people that Paul mentions, going to diff these different cities to minister where there was less risk of being killed for the sake of Christ. Demas didn't like the heat in Rome that was on Paul and the possibility of him dying like Paul was just about to be beheaded for the sake of the gospel. Demas said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And some of you have been more concerned about the little pandemic than about the great pandemic. Some of you have been more concerned about keeping yourself away from that virus than telling others about the one that's going to kill them for good. We ought to be, if you have been born again, if you've been rescued from the penalty of hell, you ought to be concerned for those whom you know that aren't rescued from that. And you need to see that, that there is a cure. There is a cure for the great pandemic. And if you were without that cure, if you were without it, you need to take it. There's a vaccine available. There is. 
In John chapter 11, Jesus speaks of it. He says he, he, he is going to see his two friends, Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus had just passed away. And, and Jesus comes to Martha. He's talking with Martha and he says to Martha these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He'll live forever even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. You see, those who have trusted Christ as Savior, when we leave this body, that is not death. That is life. Life is swallowed up in this victory that Jesus Christ has given to us. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. His blood shed for you on the cross is the vaccine. It has all the antibodies to sin. So that that sin will no longer condemn you. His blood was shed for you. So all the sin you've committed is washed away, is wiped away, is annihilated from before God's judgment. Colossians chapter 2 says that what Jesus did on the cross wiped out the handwriting that was against us, the decrees that were against us. He wiped it out. And that word that is used there is, it was used of debt collectors. When they, they, some of them would have wax tablets. And when you paid your debt, they would take a scraper and they would scrape your debt out of that. That's what Jesus Christ did. There was a debt that you had that you could not pay that the blood of Jesus wiped away, scraped off so that no longer on the book is there any accusation or condemnation against you. That is the cure for the great pandemic. And, and it's because the wages of sin is death. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 2 verse 9, he says that Jesus Christ was made a little lower than the angels. He was made, he took on humanity. Why? He, crown, he, he, he became for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That means everyone here, everyone in the world. That's how effective his vaccine is. It's 100% effective to save you from your sin. He tasted death for you, so you need not taste death and condemnation under Him. And it's available by faith. Jesus said it in John 
chapter 5. In John chapter 5, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. That's, that's faith. He who believes him who sent me. And in John chapter 8, in verse 51, he said the very same thing. He said, truly, truly, I say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And by keeping his word, he says it's those who believe him. How do you keep his word? By calling on him and receiving his salvation. Listen to his word. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, what are the benefits of getting this vaccine? First of all, I'm sorry, but there's no lottery tickets that you'll get if you get the vaccine. Uh, there's no $1 million prize if you get the vaccine. Should have gone to Nevada to get it. Or is that only residents of Nevada? Um, anyway, the first is forgiveness. The first benefit of this vaccine, of taking Jesus Christ, His blood, to deliver you. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, everyone who believes on His name has the forgiveness of sins. Do you understand the power of that? He has the forgiveness of sins. It's a present, ongoing event that a person has when they've received Christ. Everyone who believes on His name has forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. You need forgiveness. If you're without Christ, if you've never received Him, you need forgiveness. And for the Christian, the one who's received Christ, it says we have forgiveness. It is what we have. But secondly, another benefit of this vaccine is adoption. Adoption. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, in verse 5, he says, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that you might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, dear Father. He has adopted us into His family. Think about the beauty of that. This isn't just the fact that we were orphans and that we were set apart, we were enemies of God. And God took us into His home and says, you'll be my child. When you recognize what Christ has done for you by His death and resurrection, shedding His blood for you, and you call upon Him, God takes you into His family. Never again to be abandoned. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor 
nor forsake you. That's God's promise. Adoption. And with that, like I said from Hebrews 13, sealing and security. See, when you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise who becomes a down payment for that inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, but it's also in other places. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about this sealing work of the Holy Spirit. He says, in Him, in Christ, you, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, what happened? You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. God seals you, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. And He says it again in chapter 4 and verse 30. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed until you sin. No, it doesn't say that. For who, by, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That sealing is what God gives to you in an assurance, a security in Christ. Michaela sang about that this morning. When, when she, prone to wander how I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we would if God hadn't sealed us. And God will seal you too if you trust in Him. God will seal you unto Himself. If you will call upon Him, He will redeem you, He'll forgive your sin, He'll adopt you into His family, He'll seal you as His own child and treasure. And that's the benefits. Now, let's look at the side effects of the vaccine. There are none. There are none. Other people might say there are some, like being crazy about Jesus, but that's a different story. There are, there are no side effects of getting this vaccine, and the, and the beautiful thing is, there's no line. There's no line. You don't have to call and make an appointment for three weeks from now. And you don't need two doses. <laughs> Jesus is calling you today. If you are without Christ, His call to you today is the same as it's been through the ages. Come, you who hear the Spirit, come. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. Today you have an opportunity to be saved by the grace of Christ, by the blood that He shed for you on the cross. The question is, are you going to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior or are you going to be an anti-vaxxer? It's the only two choices. But anti-vaxxers, when it comes to the great pandemic, 
go to hell. Don't put off your need for Christ. He will save you. And he'll do so today. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and I praise your name. I love you, O Lord, my rock, my fortress, and my God in whom I take refuge. There is no God like you. You sit enthroned above the cherubim. And yet you dwell with those who are humble. I praise you that you loved us so much. You sent your son for us that we, may, we might not perish under this great pandemic. But Father, I pray for anyone here who does not know you, that they would receive you today as their Savior. Oh, Lord, please. Father, I ask you, oh God, for everyone here who has received you, that God, that they would say, I must be concerned. I have to be concerned over those without you. Lord, I, I pray you'd work in their hearts as well. And Father, I, I ask that you would do this for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. We're going to sing, There is a Fountain. As we sing, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Would you be a partaker of that today? If you've not received Christ, would you come? Maybe you're afraid to come up alone. Would you come? Maybe you're with a friend. Say, would you go with me? I'll, I'll go up if you come with me. As we get ready to sing, you come. today. You may not have time tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. You come as we sing on that second verse. If you need Christ, you come.
prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, O oh God, you loved us so much. Your son loved us so much that he did not count his own life as anything but to give it up for us. We thank you for that. We could never repay such a wonderful gift. And all you ask is that we receive it. Oh God, may we thank you for it. May we relish it and not forget too easily just the price you paid. How great a price you paid for me. Father, I bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.